0: We know who is coming. We know who comes just before him. We know why Jesus is coming. Question is, are you ready? We'll talk about that next. And again, greetings in Christ. This is Truth for Today the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules, featuring our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. We've been in the middle of a series called Guess Who's Coming, and we started with the one who is coming, the Lord Jesus Christ. We followed that with a look at who will come just before him, the Antichrist. Then we spent some time looking at why Jesus is coming, for the chosen. And we close out our series with a couple of looks at The simple question, are you ready? Let's catch up with Pastor Phil Howard for today's program, shall we?
1: Well, 2 Thessalonians uh, 3, it's interesting as I looked up uh, different people's sermons, this is one passage very few ever preach, because it's not great doctrine, uh, it's not hardly anything you like to hear, because it says, stop being lazy, and so, who, what pastor would feel led to preach on that? Uh, you know, especially after a red-hot board meeting. Uh, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your heart into God's love and Christ's perseverance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people would command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him. Do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother." Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. What a difference when you come to this third chapter. We've been in some of the most majestic uh, teachings found in the Bible in chapter 1 and 2. The coming of Christ, his triumph over his enemies, the revelation of the man of sin, how he will show off satanic power, and how he will be disposed of just by the breath and the presence of the majesty of Christ. And then to come to the end of such a letter with just such practical things to take care of. And I think that is an amazing thing in church life. Doctrine does not always disrupt the fellowship as much as maybe a lazy, slanderous, busybody brother. And in the midst of great doctrine, in the midst of great truths, a loose tongue, a lazy believer can ruin the testimony of what this majestic Christ really looks like, and what he's like. You know, he often said in Matthew 24, Luke 21, uh, Mark 13, what to be doing when he comes to the earth again. Will I find you watching. Well, I find you praying. Uh, He told the story of Matthew 25 of five foolish virgins. They weren't prepared for the coming of the bridegroom. They had no oil. They just had lots of excuses. So it's an interesting thing in the light of this great truth. He's coming again. What Paul would end out the letter and encourage them to do. The first thing he does, he requests that they pray for him. Two things he wants them to pray about. Pray that the message we bear may have great progress. It was a word for a runner running a race. May the word of God run free. May it spread rapidly throughout Asia Minor as it did among you Thessalonians. Pray for us that the word of God may multiply and make great progress and get out. Then he says, please pray for us, the messenger of God. We're in danger. Uh, For not all men have faith. Wicked men are out to kill us. They ran us out of Thessalonica. He's now at Corinth. And if you read Acts 18, a riot breaks out in Corinth. They want to kill him in that city. He had a dangerous vocation. He was used to being in jail. He was used to being hunted down. And he's saying two things to pray for. Pray that the message I bear will make progress and pray from the messenger himself that I'll be preserved, that I'll be kept. I think it's a marvelous thing when a man is humble enough to ask people to pray for him. Do you ever ask people to pray for you? you? say, no, I got it covered. I got it covered. You got it covered, huh? I seldom see people say, would you please, I mean with earnestness, would you please pray for us? That's quite a statement. And I got to thinking about that. We have you fill out cards and drop them in, uh, you know, the offering or leave it at the information booth. If you ever want us to pray for you, we pray for people on Wednesday at our staff meeting. We pray for you Do you pray for us? And Paul knew it was vital. A man is probably no better in ministry than he is in having people pray for him. When I was in seminary, I sat through a lecture on the book of Luke. In one week, we covered 24 chapters with Dr. Charles Ryrie. And as he was lecturing on that book, he came to this matter of prayer And he said when he was younger in his ministry, he always solicited the prayer lives of widowed women who were up in years, did not have a lot they could do in the church. He would do his best to get on their prayer list, hoping that they would pray for him, for he felt like his own ministry would hang more on intercessory prayer than the giftedness at the mouth. I uh, was reading the life of Spurgeon. I always read Spurgeon to get aroused and to be stirred. Because he was the greatest English preacher of the 1800s, bar none. No one was greater. In impact, and so winning. no one was a greater evangelistic Calvinist preacher. A man that preached the sovereignty of God, but was winning more people to Christ in the... Uh, poor sections of London than Charles Spurgeon. You don't know much about preaching if you've not read about him. You just think you do. You've not read about the great, great preacher, Spurgeon. I tried to buy his sermons the other day. They said, we'll sell them to you for $1,000. 100 years after he's dead, they're still selling the sermons at $1,000 if you want to buy them. I said, no thanks. I got them for 50 I bought myself a little disc with all of them. A boy that never went to college, never went to seminary. But he talked about the dearth of power in the churches of England. While their doors were being closed, his church was booming from the time he was 19 when he went to London to the time of his death, around 54. Did the work of 10 men, headed 65 organizations by the time he was 50. Incredible, incredible workman. And he said this. I tell preachers, if you want to be used of God, get your people to pray for you. I ask my church officers on Sunday mornings before the service, and I ask them to pray for me. I ask for the deacons and the elders to pray with me. My officers know what a trembling creature I am. And when I ask them to seek strength for me, they do so with loving hearts Men will hear you better if they have prayed for you before the sermon. Oh, to get around us a band of men whose hearts the Lord has touched. If we have a holy people about us, we shall be the better able to preach. Tell me not of marble pulpits. Tell me of a golden pulpit underwritten by the prayers of God's people. I never forget when I was uh, teaching at Bible College, I had a young man that was kind of uh, working with another pastor in the church. And he was the, kind of the stage man. He was the song leader, and he would do the preliminaries. And the pastor was a retired missionary to Indonesia. He was a man up in years. He was not a preacher for sure. He could put you to sleep in minutes. He should have been retired. But he's full of years, and, but probably just kept pastoring because he needed some kind of income, whatever. But he was an old man already when he took this church. Well, this young college guy that I've got in preaching classes, he could run a hundred laps around this guy in about an hour. He knew more theology. He had more gusts, but he was the song man. And he came to me, and said, this guy is boring the daylights out of me. He's driving me wild. What should I do? I said, how much have you been praying for him? He wasn't expecting that. And He said, well, I, I ain't been praying for him. I've been praying to endure him. I said, well, maybe you ought to pray for him. He said, what do you mean? I said, you ought to get away in a room 30 minutes before the service and pray for the service and pray for the pastor and pray for the people, see if it makes any difference. He came back in about a month. He said, I can't explain it. He said, uh, he's not much better of a preacher than before, but the services have gotten a lot better. <laughs> you know what? Uh, our tradition, it's amazing you ever sense anything on God when you come on Sundays. You know, I, I see these couples, the throwing off babies, one in the nursery, one over family life, said, huh, huh, boom, might get half a cup of coffee. If all of these, Bam! Would you preach the word to me? I'm starving. I just can't wait to hear from God. What do you mean? You look like you've been caught in a tornado. Did you pray about the church? What do you mean? That's your job, Pastor. You're supposed to be red hot because we have an infallible pastor, and we have a man that is Clark Kent's brother, and we have a man that is just—you know what? And, and then and then I see God's people. Oh, another preacher fell. I wonder how that happened. Had you ever heard of discouragement? You know, when you hear the sermon, I told you. You get your offering back and go home. <laughs> but we don't give refunds. Uh, you know, you don't know that this thing. Do you have any idea? How many demons have to be fought for a man to ever get up here and preach the word week in and week out for 35 years? Do you know how many discouragements I've had? And I'm not in a whiny mood. I'm just telling you the truth about all pastors, all preachers, all Christian workers. It's one thing to come to the table and gripe that the the cook didn't make it just right. It's another thing to be the cook. And pastors... And preachers and teachers. And i don't—I tell you, think, I think of our Sunday school over there. Working with our children year in and year out. Nursery workers. Wherever. I mean, I, they come to church not only to take in, but they're giving out, giving out. And here's this greatest preacher of all the Gentile world. He said, pray for me. Pray for me. That the word may spread rapidly. Pray that we be delivered from wicked and evil men. Pray for us. And then he gives them an assurance. The Lord is faithful, even if I'm in the hands of faithless men. A faithful God is watching over me. And that is the thing, thank God, we all have as a faithful Savior creator. He's faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. And I love this. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. Where is your confidence? In the Lord that he can enable you to obey what I've written. He didn't say my confidence is ultimately in you. I'm confident that the Lord can complete in you even obedience. There's where the confidence is. His confidence isn't in the Thessalonians. It's in the Lord who he saw save them when he was there in Acts 17. You know what? I'm more confident of what God can do with you than I am of you. Because I've been around people just long enough to know they're frail, fragile, emotional, up and down. We're like thermometers. If it wasn't for God, we register our circumstance. It's the faithfulness of our God that gets us through ultimately. Because he completes what he begins. And he gets us through all the moods and the ups and downs and the foibles and the weaknesses and the frailties of our humanity. He's this compassionate God that supersedes it. He tells them, the Lord direct your heart into the love of Christ And into the perseverance of Christ. Two interesting things. May God direct you into God's love for you. And may God direct you to reciprocate by loving him back. And may he direct you into being as patient as Christ the Messiah was when he was suffering. He's writing a suffering church. And he tells them, be as patient as your Savior when you're under heavy circumstances. Remain under the will of God. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. So he's encouraging them, please pray for me. Please be assured of the faithfulness of God. Now he begins to deal with something that uh, I don't know if we have much of this to deal with in our culture. uh, And that is... Uh, he starts dealing with some unruly, not too many. The way the Greek goes, there's not a whole lot of this going on uh, in the church. But there were some people that were being idle in the church. And he dealt with it in First Thessalonians 4. He dealt with it in 1 Thessalonians 5. And the word idle meant out of order, out of rank. They had broken rank and they weren't walking as a believer should walk. And their problem was idleness. They were lazy. They they weren't willing to work. They didn't exert themselves to do any work. The most tired member of their body was their tongue. And it never stopped. Because he uses a play on word. They're not busy, but they're busy bodies. Uh, They don't get anything done, but they make their business, your business, and your business, their business. And so they're busy doing nothing they ought to do, but believe me, they're busy. You know, uh, God gave work to man, not as a curse. Work was given as a blessing, all the way back to Genesis 1. What the fall did when man said, I want to be my own God, and I want to be self-reliant, God made it so that he would have to work so much with his own energy to have anything to eat that it takes most of his life to earn a living, especially in biblical times. We've got all these inventions. And it is an amazing thing as I hear men in the marketplace, even in this church, a 50-hour week looks easy. We used to talk about the 40-hour week. And I see the young executives in our own church and, and men that have good-paying jobs and, and uh, at least three cell phones on their hip, you know, and, and a pager, and a fax machine. Uh, they, they, they have this struggle. I can make the money. I just don't have any time to enjoy the money with those I love the most. Because I'm being consumed in the marketplace. And I just read in the paper the other day where the cost of living in the Bay Area is 65% higher than any other place in the United States. So we have these big commutes. I was going to a funeral in the Valley uh, some time ago, we went to get my wife's cousin who lives in Brentwood. As we were going over uh, Bailey Road in that pass, about 5:30 in the morning, uh, headlights as far as you could see going into Antioch, Brentwood, all the way. We used to go there to pick strawberries. We used to go there to see the country. We used to go there to see the delta. And all I could see, for as far as I could see, was nothing but cars commuting to San Francisco. And retirement is evaporating in this culture because medical expenses are running up and pension plans are evaporating faster than we can keep up with them. It's a a dangerous economic day. But here they were dealing with people that you had to work literally to eat. Uh, You had to do something to gain some kind of sustenance. And he said, they're out of order and they are... Falling into the trap of being sluggards. Uh, you must look with me. Get a little description of a sluggard in the Old Testament. Go to Proverbs. Let me just take you to one chapter. Oh, uh, give me a few chapters. Go to Proverbs 24. And see what this guy looks like in the Old Testament. It's hilarious, though pitiful. Look at uh, chapter 24, verse 30. I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a bandit And scarcity like an armed man. So he gives you this cameo shot of a sluggard. A slug, thank you. Lazy. Won't get involved. No industry. And he said his life's verse is a little sleep. Just a little sleep. What I really need is rest. What he needed was to... Weed is field, and weed is corn, and weed is crop, but all he had on his mind was leisure.
0: And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do you tap into our resources available at our website? Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278 hercules california the zip code is 94547 and then as we conclude our time together today we would also invite you to partner with us this radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully no gift is too small no gift is too large and you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today.